1: 706 on CJAD 800. Welcome to Today's Entrepreneur, presented by FL Fuller-Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, and uh, joined, of course, by FL Fuller-Landau's Josh Miller. Good evening, Josh.
2: Hello, Dan.
1: And tonight on the program, we're going to talk to Francisco Roel of FRSNM, and uh, she creates marketing software.
2: She does a little kind of work-sharing, intranet, uh, extranet
1: kind of stuff. Very interesting. Great. So we'll talk to her in just a little bit. But first, as usual, some of the entrepreneurial news uh, of the week. And, of course, today everyone is talking about uh, a jewel in, in Quebec's uh, business uh, business class, Le Chateau, which is uh, going through some restructuring now, closing, uh, I th- believe it's about 40 stores. Yeah,
2: about, tw- about 20% of their uh, their overall stores.
1: Here's actually a, a clip from uh, Franco Rochi of, of Le Chateau.
3: I would disagree with framing this necessarily as uh, sad news. What it is is really an adaption to new current retail reality.
1: And we're seeing a lot of retail outlets making that ad- adaptation, I guess, closing a lot of stores and focusing on, on online. We've talked about it almost every week on the program. It, it,
2: it, it never ceases to amaze me, Dan, and we do talk about it almost incessantly. It's the online versus the bricks and mortar. The question is, where's the balance? You know, Le Chateau, that's been around for almost 70 years, uh, it's been basically a bricks and mortar operation for the bulk of its existence. There's no doubt that recently, you know, they, they have adapted and they have gone online. But not everybody, you know, is there enough foot traffic? Is there enough people out there to actually warrant all the stores? Are they too close? You know, there's there's always that saturation level that that uh, you know you look at Starbucks that's on every corner. Well, that's something different. You know, everybody's going out for a coffee. It's a quick thing. It's a it's a five dollar item, not a you know seventy five dollar item. So the question is, Le Chateau hit its saturation with the number of stores, and, of course, they were losing money. So just like uh, most businesses, you have to look at where you can rationalize your expenses and where really your profit is, where you analyze where you're making the money. Uh, Not a lot of people uh, go through that analysis uh, in in an in-depth enough way. Mm -hmm.
1: Also, um, speaking of uh, uh, some retail issues, this is actually an online retailer, huge publicity in Montreal, a lot of buzz about Beyond the Rack. So what went wrong?
2: Well, you know, Beyond the Rack, uh, you know, recently filed a proposal and they're they're not doing so hot, obviously. Uh, and the kind of the word, uh, you know, from there was an article written and there was a couple of employees that didn't want to be named, but they, they mentioned a couple of things. And, and one of them certainly stood out uh, for me, and that was they found that the business wasn't scalable. The higher the revenues, the higher the expenses. It's almost as if there there wasn't enough fixed cost to add to the bottom line when the sales went up. Uh, I And so th- this is a lesson for many businesses. When you're looking at, you know, your revenue growth, what is it tied to? Is it tied to only variable expenses that there's only so much that will go to the bottom line? Or do you have enough fixed room that you can really scale it so that if there's more volume, you can really make that much more money? I think that was only one part of it, though. You know, beyond the rack, it's that the, they were... At one point about all branded items at discount rates. Well, that's great. So there's a couple of issues with that. One is how how long do brands want to show them as discounted? You know, because they if they want to build their brand and they want to have this value for for the for the name, well then how much can you really discount it? The other part is that I, I understand beyond the rack. Uh, this is also a comment that given by an unnamed employee. They started mixing Chinese goods with branded goods. And maybe they were losing some of their identity, and you—they weren't in the 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 right space or the right space for everybody, and kind of going away from their niche. So I think there was a number of things that uh, that that brought them down. I, there was something else that that one of the employees mentioned that they couldn't get the goods to market fast enough. Uh, and when you're talking about fashion, if you can't get it there fast enough, well, then you're going to miss the boat. So I think there's a number of items, uh, that they, that they did wrong. And of course, that's not even talking about the dollars behind it. Uh, there was, re- there was reports that they spent about $23 million in marketing in a previous year, uh, may- that maybe was too much that maybe they didn't scale back or rationalize quick enough, or they didn't measure and, and, and move back. They opened up a big buying office in New York. Well, that costs a lot of money too. So I think it's a. I think there's probably a lot of contributing factors, and this is, of course, the stuff we only know about. We don't know what we don't know. But uh, but the lesson is, you you know, don't spend before you make it, uh, or unless you really have some backup, because I understand that. That there is a future, and you do have to kind of invest in some aspects, but you, you got to be prudent. What about
1: competition? Because just looking at at their model and what they're about, um, it's something that we've we've seen, frankly, uh, in in other uh, online retailers before before it, and certainly uh, Amazon and eBay are are competitors in a way of Beyond the Rack. Were they sort of going up against these giants, and and is that what, what
2: perhaps contributed to this? I, I think they they absolutely are going up. Against these giants, uh, Amazon, I think for many years, although wasn't making a ton of money, they were exchanging four quarters for a dollar. I mean, they were there was such a huge distribution channel that there there were question marks and there, the bottom lines weren't necessarily there for the volume they were doing. However, they did have a huge database of information. And that database is super valuable where I think beyond the racks database is also going to be valuable there. I think they're sitting with hundreds of thousands of names that, uh, that they can absolutely use to their benefit if they can pull out. Bixie, uh, this is an interesting story. I've been following this
1: politically for many years because it was a sort of a semi-public uh, uh, institution and uh, the the semi-public uh, managers of it kind of messed up a little bit and so someone uh, bought it, picked up the pieces and as it turns out, they're doing really well
2: now. Well, what they did is they really, they picked up the international sales component. You know, so everything outside. The, the Kind of the moral of the story is a city a municipality a government entity can't really run a commercial business right that, that's that's probably the case in in many cases around the world but they they basically said you know what there is a product here there is a software here there is a demand around the world to be healthier and not always take your cars and and you know reduce emissions and that carbon neutral standpoint and how could we get the, the this out there so bixie didn't have a bass bad software and idea that probably was just an execution that was run poorly by a government agency so the this private group is taking it selling it now the city of Montreal is a client of theirs uh, and they you know so they manage their own 5,000 bikes but there's there's a whole there's a whole world out there that really needs this I believe they're also kind of trying to keep the the Quebec manufacturing here because they do build the Bixie bikes here in Quebec which I believe they're trying to keep here mm-hmm. um, this is an interesting
1: story about uh, about our our eating habits and grocery stores are losing some market share and uh, the ones that are it up are those, uh, those grab-and-go uh, prepared meal kind of
2: stores. I think people today want fresh items. They don't want frozen as much. They don't want the stuff in boxes that you can make and there's all there'll always be a space for that but there's such a trend to go towards a fresher item that people just are happening to go to their grocery stores or their local food stores more frequently just to get the fresher produce. So what does that mean for grocery stores? Do they have to scale back in certain areas, some of them? Do they feel that I think the grocery stores have to look at where their profit margins are a little bit like 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 maybe Le Chateau had to look at where they were where they were making their money and scale back or adapt to what the consumer is buying. Mm.
1: This is a fun story uh, from Report on Business. Brand slogans gone horribly wrong, and uh, they mentioned a few examples. One of them here, uh, Coors once had a slogan that translated that that was basically turn it loose. But when he said it in Spanish, it actually means diarrhea. Uh,
2: you know, it's you really got to think, you know, the businesses that are going global, you really got to think what your name means. And, and, you know, we talk about China a lot. Uh, you know, the, Pepsi went into China and it used that, that's, that slogan, come alive, but... Of course, in Chinese, it means Pepsi. You know, bring your ancestors back from the dead. Didn't really work. <laughs> Just like KFC, you know, it's finger licking good was translated in China as eat your fingers off. Not not exactly where you want to go.
1: It reminds me of uh, of that classic one from Chevrolet. Remember the Chevrolet uh, Nova, which of course in Spanish means it's not going anywhere. <laughs> and in,
2: and for Ford, a Ford Pinto. If you if you translate the Ford Pinto into Portuguese, it means tiny male genitals. (laughs) There was not so many Pintos sold in Brazil. I would imagine.
1: Uh, 7.15 right now on Today's Entrepreneur. Coming up, we'll chat with Francisco Roel of FRSNM. She is a a, a marketer who designs software that enables marketing activities, so she'll join us in just a moment.
0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult FL Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on FLMontreal.com
1: Inspiring stories from outstanding business people. Dan Delmar and FL Fuller Landau's Josh Miller with you. And this evening, we're chatting with Francisco Roel of FRSNM. Uh, Francisco, welcome to CJD.
4: Thank you.
1: Uh, so first question is the easiest. Now we know you're you're in, in marketing and you design uh, uh, web platforms for marketing. But could you tell us a bit about yourself and your business?
4: Okay. Thank you for inviting me here today. Um, FRSNM is a web platform based agency uh, focusing in the pharmaceutical industry. Uh, We have been serving the industry, I guess, for a little over 18 years now. And uh, our primary business really is to uh, adapt uh, communication needs to the web. So anything from a corporate site to a product site to uh, communication platforms for exchanging ideas, exchanging documents. Uh, I, I don't think we have two projects that are the same. It's really, uh, we do a lot of custom work. Uh, we're really specialized. Uh, we're uh, um, well embedded into the pharmaceutical industry, so we understand the needs and
2: the industry the the, the the work sharing aspect you know the these intranet extranet uh, that, that's that's super interesting and i know on the the program we've talked about you know innovation sharing between uh, the team and employees uh so talk to a little bit on the the work sharing aspect of it and and how you got into that
4: okay uh, it's actually a big part of of where we started uh one of the challenges. Uh, that I would say was was very prominent is uh, time. People just don't have the time. Uh, The day only had so many hours and originally the exchange of files or giving people access to information especially if it was between different departments, uh, the work was very uh, sequential. So it would go from one department to another department and then people had to have time to get around to it and then it would sit on someone's desk if they were in a meeting or if they were traveling. So it was very hard to get Uh, information in a timely manner. What we did is we created an environment where documents could be uploaded and accessed uh, by people simultaneously, regardless of the department, so you could gather all the feedback. Uh, Again, this was available 24-7. So if you were traveling and you had a look you know, Couple of hours to spend mm-hmm. on the side, then you could go in and you could review documents, give approvals
2: versus a file sitting on somebody's desk. Let them look at it, and then the file moves to another desk and let them look at it, et cetera, et cetera.
4: Correct. You Where, missed a lot of deadlines.
2: You miss a lot of deadlines. Did <laughs> the, the idea it was is this specific to the pharmaceutical industry?
4: Um, well, I really am uh, in. That industry, so I wouldn't be able to speak for other industries. Not not in this spe- specific mm-hmm. uh, environment. I assume it, there are similar needs. Uh, I know the one in the pharmaceutical industry very well.
2: So when we come back uh, from the break, you know, kind of find out how you got into this business to begin with, and why you know why you focus on pharmaceutical. So that'll be that'll be interesting to hear about. Francisco Roel
1: of FRSNM Marketing joins us this evening on Today's Entrepreneur, more with her in just a moment.
0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult FL Fuller Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
1: This evening we're joined by Francisco Roel of FRSNM Marketing. And uh, Josh, sometimes you really need a good good web or marketing platform to make sure that everything is organized and in line, and and that's what Francisco does.
2: She does, and, and she mentioned earlier that she's been in doing this for about 18 years. So, you know, the Internet, while it's been around for, you know, since the early 90s, uh, she was still pretty new in it. So, how did Francesca, how did you, what was the, the, the first thing, or how did you get into this? Where did you find this FRSNM, and, and what were you doing before?
4: Um, at the time, I uh, started looking at web and web opportunities. I was working for a multimedia firm here in Montreal. And uh, it was actually someone who came in and tried to sell me the idea of uh, having a storefront on the web, and I said, "The what? <laughs> uh, no one knew what it was." And he was basically just telling us, uh, "I worked in a business where there was a lot of there was, there was a lot of file exchange. So in those days, you'd upload, download via modem. We all know how great that was. Nice,
2: nice and fast." <laughs> <laughs>
4: And uh, so they were explaining to me that there was this new environment where we could exchange files much faster, and we did a lot of international business. So I looked into it, and it just completely consumed me. Uh, I started researching it. I would spend my evenings, nights, and uh, just exploring the web. And when I got on there and saw how much, how far you could go, the world was basically on there. And I knew that this was something that had a lot of future. And
2: now, now this was the late nineties, ninety-eight, ninety-nine.
4: Uh, no, uh, this was I would say mid nineties. Mid nineties. Started in the mid nineties.
2: So mid nineties, yeah, twenty years ago. So mid nineties, the I mean, the, the World Wide Web that you know nobody nobody says that anymore <laughs> uh, was 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 I guess super small compared to what you get today. So did, did you find it was, whose vision was it that it could go this far?
4: Um, well, it wasn't that small. It was actually quite big, but it was used mostly by the military. Mm-hmm. And then it was used by specific groups. It, it just started opening up to consumers. And, and uh, I guess, I can't. Answer the question when you say no. Whose I know. I know. There's, there's there,
2: no. i I'm, so. I guess if I can ask the question more precisely, at what point did you want to take this idea onto your into your own when okay. you created FRSNM?
4: Okay. Well, I started using the web as a tool, and obviously, the more I learned about it, the more I realized there was a tremendous amount of information, uh, health-related information. It was used a lot for oncology. There was a lot of research. And uh, the multimedia company I worked with, uh, I would say maybe 40% of their business was in the uh, pharmaceutical industry. And I was already part of that industry and that I was part of some of the associations, uh, very involved. And it was just, to me, it made sense. The two were a perfect fit. And so what I wanted to do was develop this specific to that industry. I could see applications. I could see ways that would benefit them. And I just had to tell them and get them to see it.
2: Was it an easy sell? And did it help that they probably had a lot of money at the time and willing to invest?
4: Uh, It was an easy sell in the fact that everyone wanted to hear about it. So I started out doing mostly consulting. And then when I started putting some ideas out there and explaining to them what were some ways that they could really benefit from it, then there was. Uh, obviously, I wasn't the only one doing this, but it was still very new. And pe- they didn't know where, where to get the information that they needed. So uh, in starting with consulting, and I could get them interested and show them how they could benefit from, from the web, then I started presenting ideas. And uh, I have to say, you know, the challenge was it was something brand new. There weren't big budgets for web. As a matter of fact, I remember sitting down with one of the the marketing VPs, and he said to me, he goes, okay, they're cutting all my budgets, and I've got print, and I've got TV, and I've got radio. Tell me where web is going to fit. And I said, it's really easy. Take 1%, 1% of your budget, and invest it in web. Just a small amount. Try it. I guarantee you it will grow. You won't even have to work at it.
2: And then, of course, you have to do the marketing on your own. And there's no doubt that you also expanded into a vaccines411.ca. So there's a lot more to the story coming up after the break. Francisco Roel of
1: FRSNM Marketing uh, joining us this evening on Today's Entrepreneur. Some tax tips from Nick Moraitis on the way as well. (laughs) 7.37 on today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with FL Fuller Landau's Josh Miller, and our guest this evening is Francisco Roel of FRSNM uh, Web Solutions, and uh, they, uh, Francisco creates uh, web platforms. And uh, what about, Francisco, the, uh, the, the competition? I'd, l- I'd like to explore that a bit with you, too. How do you uh, sort of um, get into this business? Uh, a lot of competition from around the world, too. We were mentioning uh, off the air, you know, uh, competition from overseas, uh, people undercutting uh, these services in many cases. How, how do you compete when, when literally uh, there's so much competition for, in this domain all around the world?
4: Well, first I would say that when I first started 18 years ago, there was not a lot of competition. Mm. So that definitely gave me an edge. I got to make a name for myself. I had a, well, I have a very good reputation. So that's that's where it started. And then as there were more and more companies, everybody and anybody could do web design and web development, um, I started looking at more uh, specialty products. But more importantly, um, one of my um, I guess ways of thinking, uh, especially in the pharmaceutical industry, there are a lot of layers, a lot of approval processes, and, and how uh, budgets are, are managed. Uh, I like looking at smaller projects. Uh, I like looking at the projects that no one else is considering because they're focusing on the much larger projects so you know if there's hundreds of thousands of dollars to be had those are the ones that all the big agencies will fight over but there are a lot of very small projects very nice projects that no one's even aware of and no one even considers and those are the ones I like to focus on I call them the crumbs because they're the ones that go unnoticed that people won't even bother uh, looking into, um, but I can say that a lot of our projects started out with the crumbs and. Uh...
2: You you've dedicated your business to the pharmaceutical industry, and that you know a lot of people would look at it and say, "Well, that's great because she's an absolute specialist that knows this industry inside and out," and others might say, "Well, maybe you didn't diversify enough, and you're kind of pigeonholed into into this industry, and you might not be able to." you know, take your service and, and expand it beyond. Did you ever feel that way? Did you ever think that, you know, you, you had to, you you were kind of narrowed into something and you, you need, really needed to find something else to expand beyond that?
4: More than once. As a matter of fact, some people would say to me, you know, you're really looking at this all wrong. You can't just focus on one industry. You need to look outside of this industry if you want to succeed. And I did consider it. I did give uh, value to what, I was being told, and every time the conclusion was the same. There is a lot of work to be had. Uh, healthcare care uh, is an industry that is never going to go away. Um, and it's because it's something that I care about and something that I'm very interested in. Um, I think that was always my number one uh, criteria uh, to really enjoy what I do so
2: was it a question of staying within the field and just finding a different product or service to develop and sell
4: definitely definitely it was a question of uh, just uh, looking at it from a different angle and also going outside my my circle and when I say my circle uh, originally I I would really specialize in prescription drugs Prescription drugs have a lot of rules and regulations. Uh, most of the advertising was to healthcare professionals. It's uh, very regulated, um, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there were other avenues, and uh, the landscape has changed a lot. Today, I would tell you that there's a huge uh, interest and focus on pharmacists. Who are playing a much larger role than they used to, so, so these so are new let's markets. Talk,
2: and so let's talk about one of your your ideas that evolved from from this train of thought, this this expansion of ideas, and it's vaccines411.ca. This is something that's been around, I believe. You you, you told me off air for about five years. Correct. Where did this come from, and and why did you feel you had to go off into this direction?
4: Uh, Well, first of all, I would say that uh, it was uh, built based on a real need. Uh, I have to say that after the uh, uh, pandemic of uh, 2009 for uh, the H1N1, uh, it it was unbelievable to me that we lived where we lived and it was so difficult to have easy access to very important information. Uh, And it just got me thinking. And uh, some of the clients I had um, were also working on other vaccines. And it was just in the discussions, it was obvious that there was a need for some sort of uh, vaccination clinic finder for the benefit of... Uh, everyone who falls outside basic child immunizations. And that's immigrants who come to our country. It's travel vaccines. It's adult vaccines. It's a lot of the new vaccines like HPV, uh, shingles. Um, and and there's, there's no real communication forum for them. And so to me, it was really a question of figuring out how do I bring this all together? I had the clients who could benefit from this tool Uh, I went out and I presented it to the vaccine manufacturers, and they were all interested. So it just, the rest is history. I built it, and um, here we are.
1: Do you find there's still a lot of digitizing to be done in in the healthcare industry? Uh,
4: Digitizing? I don't understand the question. Just
1: just having these sort of web platforms, and and do you think maybe uh, parts of the medical industry need to... Uh, use more web tools or, or tools like. like oh, yours. they
4: are. They are. There, there's a lot of room. Uh, there's a lot of uh, projects ongoing for exchanging information. I mean, there are some that are in development for just exchange exchange forums for healthcare professionals. Uh, th- there are just so many. And yes, there's a huge uh, communication gap. Uh, there there are different platforms. How do you bring them together together? And and I think the biggest difference is once upon a time you were focused in, on your local uh, health group in your province in your country, disease and medicine is much bigger and on a global scale, whether you're in Canada or you're in Italy or you're in India or China or wherever you are, if you're all working on the same disease and you can share your findings and and benefit from each other's learnings that's that's where it's going and that's what's starting to happen it's it's just to me it's amazing because now it's the whole world working on these problems and and it's really the web, that enables this.
2: So you've essentially developed this application. Did it take long to develop vaccines411.ca?
4: We worked on it for a couple of years. It took us a couple of years to uh, refine the concept, uh, speak to the different uh, potential players, and uh, create the first version. And then once we created the first version, I'd say that probably took us a little over a year And then we put it out there for testing. So we did a a pilot and we tested it and then we refined it for another six months. And then we officially launched in, uh, May of 2011. So we will be out there now for five years. And I would tell you that in the last five years, we have, uh, refreshed the platform, uh, two times. So it's constant
2: and you're operating a business within a business. So that also takes up a lot of a lot of time, energy, and resources, but you you got to keep your eye on the ball. I think it's uh, super interesting.
1: We'll have a Francisco's one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur on the way, but next, Nick Moraitis with some very useful last-minute tax tips that's on the way on Today's Entrepreneurs.
0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
1: Inspiring stories from outstanding business people. Dan Delmar and FL Fuller Landau's Josh Miller with you, with uh, Francisco Roel of FRSNN, FRSNM Web Agency. We'll have uh, Francisco's one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur on the way. Uh, but first, Nick Bredis, tax partner at FL, is here to talk about, well, uh, taxes. And uh, you know who doesn't need advice on taxes right now? This guy. Because, because you filed already, I filed, right? Dan? I'm
2: done. The check has been sent. But I got to tell you, did you get every deduction? And I, what do you think about for next year? We're already in 2016. What are you thinking about for the current year?
1: I expense a suit, so I, I get creative with these things. We
2: we won't go there. We, <laughs> okay, we won't no, go we are not going expenses. there. We're not going there. <laughs> but there's a lot. But there's a number of, of deductions certainly that uh, while well, entrepreneurs are running their business, they still got to think of uh, of what's good to uh, to save a few bucks on taxes. Yeah, so th- this is, is just a
3: refresher for some of the deductions out there uh, that uh, you something's very quickly doing your taxes to hurry up. You may be forgetting so if you're paying uh union dues if you're paying uh, fees to professional associations to practice your job or your your business that's a deductible item don't forget that obviously if you have kids and they're in uh, daycare uh, there's there's daycare costs that are are allowed including the uh i guess if it's the the seven dollar uh, daycare costs are eligible for federal uh, deductions but uh, of course it's adjusted now it's, it's with adjusted your income. yes yeah, yeah. um if uh, For anyone who's disabled and, and, and is using um, as, uh, AIDS, either a human being to help them uh, work or carry on a business or, or different types of uh, machines such as say, a Braille device or a speech synthesizer, that is a deductible item for you. Um, anyone who's moved if you've moved 40 kilometers closer to your new work or school that becomes a deduction including your moving costs some of the meals and meals on on the route there that's something to consider Uh, if you're have investments you're probably being charged uh, perhaps interest you're probably being charged uh, fees from your broker that's a deduction don't forget to include that in your in your calculations um, the big one for that, that many I don't see too often—are are, um, people who have job expenses. If you have, if your employer has comp- uh, prepared a form, it's a federal form T two two zero zero. There's a Quebec equivalent. It, you use that form to deduct uh, expenses you may be incurring uh, on the job. Could be uh, um, could be meals, could be office supplies that you're incurring at home, internet, for example, uh, travel, etc. But without that form. There's no deduction available for you. So that's something that you should be uh, looking out for. Does
2: it, does it depend? Uh, I don't know how much depends if you're commissioned or just an employee. I think on the form it specifies Yeah, it though.
3: does. Uh, commission employees, though, there is there is sort of an understanding that you may be incurring these costs. Uh, but for, for most of us uh, who are at the office 9 to 5, uh, most of us can't use it. But some of us are usually required. Uh, legal fees that you pay. Um, most of the time, many people think they can deduct legal fees. Talk to your accountant, some legal fees usually to try to collect money that would be taxable to you when you collect it is usually deductible legal and accounting fees to defend yourself against the CRA or Revenue Quebec is usually a deductible item as well. So don't for, don't forget to include all that.
2: So when you're paying your lawyer and you feel that you're getting rooked, you know, maybe there's a deduction for there it. There might I, be. And, I'm and, sure. and,
3: and you got to p- support the the, uh, the claim with uh, your accountant.
2: So when we come back from the break, I'm sure uh, Nick's going to run through a few more as, as quickly as we can as we approach uh, and we have two weeks to go before the filing deadline even though Dan Delmar has already su- sent his in.
1: Already filed, plus We'll have Francisco's one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur on the way.
0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult FL Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
1: We'll have Francisco's one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur on the way. And by the way, for every new Canada was listening, I was just joking about that expenses thing. We know, we know, Dan. Um, But we're talking about uh, last-second tax tips, and Nick Moraitis, tax partner at Fuller Landau, is with us. Uh, Nick, uh, any other
3: uh, easy Uh, last-minute tips for us? Easy ones. um, Don't forget the bus passes if you've uh, paid Mm. them and you've kept your receipts. Hand them in; they they can get you a credit at the federal uh, government. There's also the children's uh, arts amount. Uh, which will probably uh, not go forward uh, going in, in future that you can also uh, claim again as a non-refundable credit. Uh, tuition. Uh, anyone going to school, uh, you probably uh, the, should have gotten your tuition documents from the school. If you, as a student, can't use all your tuition, don't forget you can transfer up to about five thousand to a parent who's supporting you, or to your spouse if you're married uh, who's supporting you. That's or, an easy or one. Or you can keep it for yourself. Or you can, or you forward. keep it for yourself. Yeah, and, and that, absolutely. Uh, Medical expenses is the big one, and we're seeing that more and more as we're talking about uh, the field. Don't forget that medical expenses also includes um, amounts you're paying for group insurance, amounts you're paying for medical uh, insurance when you're traveling. It includes the unreimbursed portion of your your, uh, drug claims that you've done with the insurance company that have not been reimbursed. That's all included in there. And it also will include your spouse and dependent children. That is usually a big amount that uh, gets picked up. And last but not least, don't forget your donations. Uh, the, those are good, um, whether in cash or in kind. Um, and they carry for for five years if you can't use them. This is all stuff that you've spent your money probably already. Go through, think about it, hand it over to your account to make sure you get a claim back. It's easy money.
2: But if you're donating something in, from, in kind from your company, don't expect to get a tax receipt not, personally.
3: Not necessarily, yeah.
2: Not necessarily. No, oh, sorry.
3: there, It's the Dan Delmar planning. No. <laughs>
2: No, he would never do such a thing. Never. And as we approach uh, the last moment of our show as we do every week, we'll turn to our guest Francisco Roel of FRSNM web agency and we'll ask you, Francisco, what would be your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur?
4: My one piece of advice would be when everything is going well is when you should plan for a rainy day. Um when you Uh, Plan ahead and you speak to your bank and make sure that you have a line of credit and make sure that you've got money uh, put aside or available to you should you need it uh, uh, quickly. That is uh, a recommendation that I would uh, offer today because when you do need it, no matter how small the amount or for how long, uh, the process is not a simple one. It doesn't happen fast. So my recommendation would really be uh, plan ahead, and when things are good is when you do that. Uh,
2: sound, sound words of advice, no question. It's always easier to, uh, to go to the bank and ask for them when, when things are well. It's kind of like asking you know, permission versus forgiveness kind of thing. And the quick takeaway, I'll, I'll, I'll just add one thing, is that uh, diversification. With your business, you, you do sell one product, but if you can diversify to somewhere else, you can absolutely save the day one day.
1: Thanks to Francisco Roel of FRSNM Web Agency and Nick Moraitis for the helpful tax tips from Fuller Of course, we're here Monday nights at seven p.m. on Newstalk Radio CJAD eight hundred for today's Entrepreneur. The exchange with Lee's Raveries next.